Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We continue our study in protology and eschatology, looking at the end through the lens of the early chapters of Genesis. And today we're in Genesis 9. Uh, the flood is over, Noah and his family and all the animals come out of the ark. And I mentioned briefly last episode, but this is, this is one of the critical areas where you study protology and eschatology, because honestly, a lot of people have misconceptions about eschatology, and we'll be hitting some this episode, some on the next, and protology can help us keep our focus. It's kind of like looking through a telescope. You need two lenses. The first lens closest to your eye would be protology, and the distant lens on the other end of the telescope would be eschatology. And if we have both, we can get a good focus because sometimes we tend to lose it. Now, I'm going to be using 2 Peter chapter 3 a lot in this episode, because this is where protology and eschatology actually shines and shows that the times after the flood prefiguring the new heavens and the new earth. First, protology, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. St. Peter writes, they deliberately ignore this fact that by the word of God, heavens existed long ago, and an earth formed out of water and by means of water through which the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Now, if you noticed all the past tenses here, the heavens that existed long ago, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. The proper way to look at the flood is the end of the type of earth that was created in Genesis 1 and 2, and then something new began. The same happens if you go to the book of Revelation and you go to 2 Peter. We're going to look at some verses, but the world that we're now inhabiting is going to be dissolved. It sounds like the very elements will be dissolved, and yet there will be a very real, very tangible new earth. And so the reality that takes place after the flood is a preview of the reality after the second coming. So if we're continuing now in 2 Peter 3, starting in verse 10, we, we saw in verses 5 and 6, protology. Now, verses 10 and 13, we're going to see eschatology. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. But according to his promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. A lot of folks are under the impression 
that eternity will be in some kind of non-terrestrial state. In other words, it certainly will not be on earth. It will be off someplace. And yet, even though the earth, according to 2 Peter 3, and notice he's comparing this to the flood. This is the same chapter. This is why 2 Peter 3 is one of the perfect places to study protology and eschatology, particularly as it relates to the new heavens and the new earth. So he tells us that this earth, I believe at the very atomic level, will be dissolved, and yet it'll be recreated. Paradise, what Garden of Eden was like, will extend to the whole globe. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And what I want to try to just show you in this episode is that things were different after the flood. It was still the earth, but things were different. Okay, let's look before the flood. The pre-earth had a mist system that we read about in Genesis 4 that watered the earth. It says in Genesis 2, 4, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now, the first time we read about rain on the earth is the flood. Before that, it speaks of a mist that went up. Now, I can relate to this rather strongly. Uh, Many ages ago, I studied horticulture. And in our greenhouse for growing things, we had what we called a mist system, PVC pipes with little spray nozzles that were connected to a timer that very frequently just would go a and spray a little mist of water, and that was the special growing environment so you could take a cutting from a plant, stick it in soil without any roots, but that mist system would keep everything growing in an optimal fashion. And, you know, even all of our oil deposits in different places of the world, people realize there's not enough vegetation in the world today to be recreating all of these oil deposits. Where did all this vegetation come from? Well, God knew about horticulture, obviously, because this mist system went up from the earth. Now, this would be an hypothesis uh, in Genesis 7, because we really don't know. It was different from what it is today. This I do know. But in Genesis 7, it says in the 600th year of of, uh, Noah's life, the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. So people say, well, where'd all the rain come from? Again, it never mentions rain. What it does mention, first of all, that the water came from below to the surface of the earth, and things were different than they are today. Okay, There are subterranean sources of water, lakes and rivers and such, but there was enough that they burst forth the great deep, okay? And then it says the windows of heaven were open, just this huge dump, so to speak, of water. 
And some people hypothesized that it was a vapor canopy that circled the earth. And the mist went up and the vapor canopy would more or less contain the moisture, kind of like a modern greenhouse with a mist system today. And what happened at the flood, and again, this is hypothesis. I try to kind of distinguish between thus saith the Lord and hypothesis, but you have a collapse of the vapor canopy combined with the subterranean waters exploding forth as well. This is something unique, and it doesn't indicate a similarity with today's world. Another reason why I think there could have been this vapor canopy is that the only place or the first place we read about the rainbow is Genesis 9 after the flood. And God goes on and he mentions, this is a sign of my covenant, the rainbow. So when you look up in the sky, you don't have to get the jitters. Um, I've been through some hurricanes that uh, hit pretty hard. And you can start getting jitters if you've been hit by the eye of a Category 4 hurricane or a tornado. And then when you hear a warning, it kind of gives you the jitters. So God says, I'm going to give you a sign. So when you look up in the sky, you don't have to get worried. But I've seen some um, early and not too well-designed movies uh, about Noah's flood, and it shows that Noah, in a bright sunny day, was hammering away on the ark. And I personally doubt if there was a bright sunny day the way we have a bright sunny day today, because you wouldn't have a rainbow if you had this vapor canopy and such. Um, one of the things that changed radically, we know things change, is that human longevity radically altered. Uh, before the flood, like Adam lived 930 years, Jared lived 962 years, Methuselah, the longest lived man, 969 years. But after the flood, for 10 generations, you take the 10 generations and their ages, it averages only 317 years. And if you take the ancient patriarchs after the flood, it's a, almost a perfect steady decaying curve as longevity comes down and finally set, settling around 70 to 80 years. Some people hit 100, according to Sirach 18. Uh, some might hit 120, but basically 70, 80 years. What happened? Well, we don't really know, but there, was, there were changes. And one of the things, if there was a vapor canopy and it collapsed, well, uh, you would have a whole lot of harmful radiation and perhaps genetic changes that affected longevity. And here's just a quick one, but, you know, a lot of preachers like, I, and I don't like drunkenness, okay, but a lot of preachers like to get, get on Noah's back for being drunk because in Genesis 9, after the flood, he came out and planted a vineyard, he drank the wine, became drunk, and passed out. But it's interesting, nowhere in the Bible do you find the, the uh, condemnation of Noah's drunkenness. And if there was a, let's just say, a 40-foot vapor canopy, well, scientists have said, well, if that was true, it would double the atmospheric pressure, which would in turn change the rate of fermentation because carbon dioxide must escape from glucose in order for alcohol to form, but without a vapor canopy, the rate of fermentation would be fast-forwarded, and Noah was simply caught off guard. 
he didn't realize that the atmosphere had changed, just like you don't drink or get drunk when you're going to be flying an airplane because different atmospheric pressures affect alcohol in your blood. So bottom line, we had changes. What exactly caused these changes? We don't know because we don't have the reference point. This isn't going on today. You can try to discover these things and make a hypothesis of what went on, but we do know there were radical changes. It was a new earth. It was different from Genesis 1 and 2, how the world was created. And when Noah came out of the ark, he was prefiguring the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. But in order to get there, there's the second coming and there will be a worldwide judgment. And I realize that in our day, uh, there's many voices in the church, Protestant, Catholic, saying, well, there is hell, but we really don't know if anybody goes there or if they do go there, they don't stay there for eternity and all this kind of stuff. And really, let's get back. People saying that, first of all, do they believe that the flood was real, that God his mercy gave us a warning of what the judgment by fire will be at the end of time, and that the majority of people in the, in the first worldwide judgment ridiculed, mocked, and made fun of Noah and just thought he was out of his mind building an ark for the saving of his family? Well, the same thing, according to Jesus and St. Peter, is going to happen at the end of time. Let's take it seriously. Close your ears for those who tell you that God's judgments aren't real. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 227 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.